we have a great story in the Gospel of John today. And it's a great story, and not only the story, but you have to see behind it also that right now there's total opposition against Jesus. There's people that are following Jesus. They're hearing every word where Jesus is teaching them. They want to listen to his words because they see the signs that he has done. And yet there's others, mainly the scribes, the Pharisees, who are totally against Jesus, who are plotting against him, who are plotting against his life, who are trying every way to trap him in his own words. And so they set a trap for Jesus. You have to realize this is a trap for Jesus, that they use this woman as a trap for Jesus. So this woman is caught in the very act of adultery, and they place this woman in the middle. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you were the woman here? And I always say, what about the man? What about the man that was, you know, we want to be a feminist here? What about the man? Takes two to tango. Because in the law, it said not only to stone the woman, but to stone the man also. So what, where was the man that was there? Again, you see the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes even not truly following the law. They just pick the woman, the weaker sex, as we would say, and place her in the middle, in front of everyone, and everyone is around her. And they're accusing her of adultery. And they got stones in their hand. They're angry at her. How dare she commit adultery? How dare she go against the law? And they're angry at her, and they have these stones. And stones of all different sizes and shapes, colors. Probably some are big, some are small. Probably the ones who were more angry at her picked up a bigger stone that was sharp to inflict on her. And then they set the trap for Jesus. And they say, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Do you imagine? They're dragging the woman as she's committing the very act of adultery. So you can imagine, she was probably half-clothed. She probably just had time to get something over her to cover her. She's half-clothed. So think about the embarrassment of the woman who's half-clothed in front of everyone. And then, they, and then they quote the law. This is both Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. But actually, they're misinterpreting the law because you're supposed to stone the man also. If you actually read the law, I read the law this morning, and I said, wait a minute, they're supposed to stone the man. Where's the man? Where's the man that's there? So they're hip hypocrites. 
And now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And they said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Why is this a test? Why is this a test for Jesus? Is it just about following the law? It's a test because there's two options that Jesus has, and either option is bad for Jesus. So option number one is that Jesus tells them, yes, follow the law, stone the woman, carry out the law of Moses, stone this woman who is caught in the act of committing adultery, and you follow the law, the law of Moses. But the reason why it's a trap is because the law of the Romans is different. So Jesus could follow the law of Moses, but not follow the law of the Romans. What was the Roman law at that time? The Roman law in Palestine was that only the Romans, only the procurator, could pronounce the death sentence upon someone. This is why in Jesus' trial, the Sanhedrin who tried him could not put him to death. That's why Jesus had to go before Pontius Pilate to be put to death. It was only the Romans that could sentence someone to death. So if Jesus says stone the woman, he's following the law of Moses, but then he goes against the law of the Romans, and the Pharisees and the scribes would have something against Jesus. Because then they they would take him before the Romans and say, you see, by his own very word, he condemned a person to death. That only the Romans have the authority to do that. So he's going against Roman authority, so you need to arrest him for doing it. See the trap? It's a trap there for Jesus to go against Roman law. So that's option one. Option number two is not any better for Jesus. So what's option number two? Jesus follows the Roman law, and he says, do not stone her. But then the scribes and the Pharisees would accuse Jesus of not following the law of Moses and would make him, it would make him out to be a false prophet before the people that are listening to him to say, you see, don't listen to his words, don't follow what he's doing, the signs, because he does not follow the law of Moses. He does not follow the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus that says a woman and a man that is caught in the act of adultery should be stoned. You see the trap? Option one is bad because it goes against Roman law. Option two is bad because it goes against Judaic law. So what does Jesus do? And Jesus is very clever. So they're very clever, but Jesus is more clever in his words. Jesus does not say, stone her. And Jesus does not say, do not stone her. Rather, he turns it around on them. 
And what does he say? He says, first of all, he writes on the ground. This is the only time that Jesus ever wrote something that is recorded in the Gospels. We don't have him ever writing anything. Jesus did not write the Gospels. It was his followers who wrote the Gospels. It was the apostles and disciples who wrote the Gospels and the letters, and the letters of St. Paul. Jesus did not write anything about himself. This is the only time that Jesus ever writes anything on the ground with his finger. What's he writing? You ever think of that? And it says, all of our deeds are written in the book of life. That's kind of scary. All of our deeds, everything that we do in life is written in the book of life by the finger of God. And God also wrote the laws of the Ten Commandments with his very finger, the finger of God. And so here is the finger of God writing something. Maybe the laws, maybe their deeds on the ground, maybe a symbol. We don't know exactly what Jesus is writing, but he's writing on the ground. And then he straightens up and he says to them to avoid the trap, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. A trap was laid for Jesus, but now Jesus is turning it around and laying a trap for them. Because now, if they stone her, they follow the law of Moses, they go against Roman law, but in stoning her, they're saying, we are without sin which no one in their conscience can ever say before God. No one can ever say, I am without sin before God. But if they don't stone her, they follow Roman law, but they do look stupid amongst the people because Jesus shows them that you're looking at this woman at her sins. But you need to look at yourself. You need to look at your own sins before God. And so in a way, Jesus kind of reveals their own sins before the people. Saying that you call this woman a sinner, or you're a sinner also. You're the one who wants to stone her. You have the stone. But maybe some of your sins are greater than hers because maybe your sins are secret. And you hold this very stone in your hand wanting to condemn her and wanting to prove your own righteousness. And so they... If they were to throw a stone at her, they would say that they are without sin. And so in embarrassment, they dropped the stones one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus goes down on the ground and he writes on the ground again. Why is Jesus right on the ground? 
He's the, he's the only one who is without sin. You see that? Everyone there has sin. Everyone that has that stone in their hand has sin, including the woman, woman that's in front of them. The problem is, is that none of them think that they're without sin. They're only looking at the woman's sins. And so they drop the stones one by one. They walk away. They can't do anything. And Jesus has just avoided the trap. He's following the law of Moses to go and stone her if you want to. But that means that you're saying you're without sin. But if you stone her, you're in trouble with the Romans, with Pontius Pilate. Because you executed someone without Roman authority. And so they, of course, they're afraid of the Romans. They won't want to be crucified. But they're embarrassed in front of the people because it looks like they're not following the law. And so they drop the stones one by one. And Jesus is the only one who is without sin. He's the only one who's righteous enough to condemn this woman of her sins. He is the judge. He is the one who is going to judge us of our deeds when he opens the book of life in front of us and shows us. And yet, Jesus, he straightens up and he addresses the woman. Now, you have to understand in Semitic culture, when they would call a person a woman, it was actually a term of endearment. It wasn't something derogatory. It sounds derogatory in English, but it actually wasn't derogatory. To call someone a woman was a sign of respect. It would be like Madame, you know, like in French, Madame, or Mademoiselle, you know, something that's, that's affectionate, that's dear. And so Jesus is being affectionate and dear with this woman. And he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And the woman probably looks around. She was probably frightened like this, shaking. And she probably looked up and she sees no one around her but Jesus, the only one who is without sin. And she says, no one, sir. And then Jesus, who is the judge? He gives her not judgment, but mercy. He says, neither do I condemn you Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Can you imagine what did that woman feel like? He just brought her dignity back. He just brought her worth back. She just experienced divine mercy. Not judgment, not condemnation, but mercy itself from the merciful judge. That is why I say our deeds are written in the book of life and we face the judge 
but it is the most merciful judge we could ever face. I wouldn't want to face a judge on this earth with the book of life in front of that judge. The only judge I want to face is Jesus, who's the merciful judge, who's our merciful high priest, who has taken our sins upon himself and nailed them to the cross and given us new and everlasting life. This passage today is more about Jesus' mercy than anything else. What Jesus can give us is mercy. But sometimes we, we are the ones who act as judges toward others. We are the ones who condemn others. As Jesus said, do not judge so that you may not be judged. The measure with which you measure shall be measured unto you. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Those are the words of Jesus. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Again, Jesus never says anything that he himself does not do. He not only teaches his words, he also gives us an example of his very words. So you can either try to memorize the words of Jesus or read these wonderful examples in the gospel of Jesus' own words being put into practice or the saints themselves. Or you could do both. Read both Jesus' words and see his example that is there. Everyone, before they want to condemn another person of their sins, even if their sins are great, even if their sins are grievous, such as adultery or fornication or whatever. Yes, and they are sins. But before we condemn another person, we first need to look at ourselves and see ourselves as sinners. And maybe those who want to condemn another person, maybe their sins are greater because maybe another person's sins is out in the public, but our sins are in private. So who are we to condemn another person? That all who stand before the throne of God are not righteous at all. All who stand before the throne of God all have sinned, all have sinned in some way, except for the Son of God himself, and I would say the Blessed Mother. But the Blessed Mother will be the first one to praise God's mercy for what God has done for her as she has done in the Magnificat. No one is righteous before God. That's why all need divine mercy. That is why the Feast of Divine Mercy is for everyone. It's not just for some or a few. It is for everyone. Every single person in this world needs divine mercy. But sometimes we need an illumination of conscience 
to realize how much we need divine mercy because we pride ourselves on ourselves, on thinking that we're righteous, on thinking that we're better than others, on constantly condemning, criticizing others, and putting others down instead of lifting them up as brothers and sisters who are weak, who are sinful just as we are. We need to be more and more like Jesus. Jesus shows us the example of forgiving, and he's the one who has the right to condemn because he is without sin. And yet he forgives and shows mercy to the wretched, to the miserable, to the sinner. So how much more should we show mercy, forgiveness, compassion toward another sinner, toward our brothers and sisters who have sinned? Because we have sinned also. No, no one is righteous before God. All need mercy. But that is why Jesus has come as the king of mercy, as the judge of mercy, the one who judges with great mercy and great compassion. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And Jesus is the one who perfects our faith, who gives us mercy, and who's the one that bestows new and everlasting life for the miserable and for the wretched. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.